Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Hi there, it's Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint, and I'm here in the studio with Sue Minter, who's the Executive uh, Director for Capstone, and Sue and my next guest, who is David Kelly, they're both going to receive frequent flyer awards for being on this show. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having us This is great, so I'm very excited because we are talking about, let's see, the 7th Annual Campaign for... um, Sue's program, which he's going to talk about, was announced here on this program on Giving Tuesday, and it's a 100-day campaign, and I want you to tell them all about it. Go right ahead. This is great. That's right, Pat. Thank you so much for having us back on. Uh, this is Capstone Community Action's campaign called Fuel Your Neighbors, and this is a 100-day campaign. We kicked it off together on Giving Tuesday. Yeah, yes. Um, and it really made a bounce, um, and we had an ambitious goal of raising $300,000, which yesterday... We we completed this campaign and exceeded our goal, and we're so pleased to announce and thank you to the listeners of this station and so many others who are helping our neighbors both stay warm through winter and make sure they do not go to bed hungry. How do we do that? Um, at Capstone, uh, our mission is really to help um, lift people out of poverty. And we do that both by meeting uh, their emergency needs, and in this case, both food, meeting their nutritional needs, and also uh, the ability to stay warm. We have a crisis uh, heating program, uh, and what these philanthropic dollars do is support people who may not be eligible, uh, don't meet the very stringent criteria to get public funds. And so we help every neighbor that comes to our door who is in need. And that's what this campaign is about, helping make sure our food shelf uh, is stocked and our uh, folks who need help staying warm through the winter have that support. On one other show when you were here, we were talking about uh, how many people are now going to the food shelves that really needed people that have never used the food shelves before. Um, They come from work and they go to the food shelves. And I was surprised, I don't know where I've been, but one of the notes said there's no public funding for food shelves. Yeah, food shelves are not publicly funded. You know, we I'm do surprised. have support. You know, the we partner uh, with the Vermont Food Bank, who I know right. has received some don- some support from the Vermont legislature. What happens is they are really the distribution uh, of all of, I think there are over 230 food shelves, food pantries in Vermont. But we do not get direct public assistance and actually have to work with the food shelf um, partner. We have uh, the Gleaning Organization, um, Community Harvest of Central Vermont. Uh, But we purchase uh, a lot of food. We also get donations of food. Uh, but to keep this stocked, and let me tell you, you mentioned the increase in, in use of our food shelf, and you're right. People have never uh, needed help before, but really the cost of food, we all know it. But when you have a budget that is fixed, you know, you're living off your Social right. Security, and your food budget and your heat budget doubles. 
that's when you come to Capstone, right. uh, even if you never have had to before. Many people, you know, and then there's the cost of housing and rent, which is going up, of course, to keep up with inflation. But uh, folks who are, some people, you know, have two or more jobs still, right. but they're single parents, right. or they may be caring for an elder adult or a family member with disabilities. So these needs are there, and that's what we are here right. for to help. And we're so grateful to the listeners of WDEV for helping us fuel our neighbors campaign. I think I mentioned to to Sue before we started the show, it seems to me, and this is just my opinion, that because of COVID, people in Vermont have become even more generous than they were before because it can happen it has happened to all of us and we could all be in this situation. Um yeah. and I think there's there's now a connect between um us who are fortunate enough to be able to have food on the table and and heat our house that we can relate to those who don't have that uh, and what's, what's the food insufficiency number these days? 40%? Two I mean, it's something out of five. Stag- That's yeah. ridiculous. I know. And, you know, you're making such a point. The world has changed so dramatically since the COVID pandemic began. And I think you're right. So many people recognized uh, their privilege of just even having enough right. food and a safe place to live as they saw the numbers of people who couldn't make ends meet, who lost their job, even temporarily. But, you know, what's happening now, Pat, and one of the reasons that we are seeing dramatic increase of visitors to our food shelf, and I want to mention, since this fall in October, our capstone food shelf in Barrie has had 2,322 visits. And that's supporting the needs of over 400 children. So it is families with young children. It's often elders with fixed income, people with disabilities, but also working people, as you mentioned. But one of the changes now is so many uh, families actually received pandemic supports. Um, You know, the government really stepped in and has been there really uh, in many different ways. But that support is now ending. So while we saw a slight drop in visits to the food shelf this fall, since the winter began, it's increased 50% since this time last year. So we know the need is out there. We know it's growing. And it's why we're so grateful to the supporters of our Fuel Your Neighbors campaign. That's great. I um I had an experience. I, I'm very involved with Central Vermont Home Health and Hospice. And what I learned from them is that you can't look at somebody's house and think you know them financially because you don't. And the first thing to be cut in anybody's home if they're struggling is food because you need to pay your mortgage, you need to pay the, you know, fuel the car, get to work. But food is something... Nobody sees, and you can make determinations there about how much, uh, what. And so if you look at, uh, I call them little McMansions, you really don't know and and shouldn't judge. And I learned that because I was one of those other people till I got involved, and I now look at things a little differently. Yeah, I think I personally have learned through working now for five years at Capstone how widespread um, – Economic challenges are in Vermont. There's a lot of poverty, and you can't assume anything because someone uh, is living in a nice home. They may have a lot of struggles, Um, you know, and there's so many struggles we could talk about. But I think health care is another incredible cost um, that many folks – and just like the pandemic, many people immediately were found um, at the other end of a cliff – you know, other uh, disruptions occur, whether it is right. someone in a health crisis or uh, a work 
losing their job. You know, there are so many needs, which is why I'm very proud to be able right. to be part of an organization that is there to help people who may need us only temporarily right. who are in crisis. But we have what we would consider a shopping experience. You come in. Um, we do ask for some information uh, so we can make sure our government uh, knows who we're supporting. Uh, but really, you have an array of, of food and nutritious food uh, available right. at our Capstone uh, Food Pantry. That's really great. And obviously, this all happened. Um, you were in, in partnership with the VSECU, Vermont State Employee Credit Union, um, who are wonderful community members. The people that work there, that's where I bank, and they're always out in the community doing something amazing. So thank you, VSECU. Thank you, VSECU. And really, they were the partner. We say this program is powered by them because they were the first partner to really uh, bring this to fruition. Uh, Now our seventh year of of raising money for these needs, which I think, uh, obviously, if you're a financial lending institution, you understand people's needs deeply. And you're right. That's an organization that is very rooted in community and among many uh, tremendous partners at Capstone. Right. Yes, and I don't know. Um, we have there's a lot of partners. There's a list here. Um, don't know how quickly we can read them to give them recognition. But to tell you the truth, I think we should just well, list them out. You mentioned VSECU, a, a matching sponsor. And um, we have other matches. You know, The Alchemist is one of our key campaign supporters, uh, also the National Life Group and the Hunger Mountain Co-op. These are many uh, familiar businesses, but I also want to recognize AT&T, the North Country Federal Credit Union, uh, our Red Hen Baking Company, yes. the staff there support us, M&T Bank. Uh, as well as RB Technologies. We get support from the Front Porch Forum, from Lawson's Finest down in Waitsfield, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Vermont, Mascoma Bank, the Mutual of America, Pasumpensick Bank, and the Point, and of course, our very own WDEV. Yes, yay us. <laughs> uh, well, I know that management here thinks very highly of you and Capstone, um, so when you ask to come on, I get this little note. Get her on, so <laughs> well, which is my pleasure wanted, to do that. We really yeah. wanted to be here today, given that this is the end of our campaign, and you kicked it off just to thank the listeners yeah. for their generous support. And Sue, um, we we should finish this segment by talking about your ability to help people with heat, because that's an important thing, especially in this time of year in Vermont. That's right. This campaign, Fuel Your Neighbors, is both about our food pantry and our uh, emergency heating assistance program. And I do want to say, in addition to thanking all of the listeners for supporting us, if you have needs, whether it's uh, nutrition needs or heat needs, please do call us at 1-800-639-1053. We're there to support you in these difficult times. You know, it hasn't been an excruciatingly cold winter. We've had some cold snaps uh, we've had some uh, big snows, but the cost of home heating right. has been Ridiculous. extraordinarily high. So we have seen a tremendous uh, demand really since this program opened. We opened the f- heating season in early November. We've helped over 1,239 people. Uh, now, that's not just in Barrie. That's in Lamoille, um, Washington County, and also in Orange County. So that's a lot of people who uh, are eligible. That means they have very low incomes. Right. 
and we've distributed over 300,000 funds to those folks. Now, the money, just so folks understand, goes not directly to people for their heat, but to actually the fuel dealers, um, the utilities, uh, to provide heat for those families in need. And you also, we talked at the break about, about wood, having wood available, small program. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Well, what we can do is help facilitate. I would mention that the United Way uh, in Lamoille County has a wood heat program, uh, but we often are able to work with uh, dealers to get wood delivered, um, and we are able to facilitate that kind of program for folks in need as well. That's great. We were just talking about Green Mountain Power. When they take down trees, they chop it up and leave it on the on the property for the owner. If the owner doesn't want it, then there's a, an arrangement they make to have it picked up by one of the nonprofits and and used. I mean, why have it sit there? There was a pile opposite my house. It took, drove me nuts. I finally picked up the phone. And said, Well, hey. it is the kind of thing we do work with dealers who can support us um, in those kinds of deliveries. Right. So it's always worth a call. Uh, no promises on wood heat <laughs> delivery, um, but we can probably work with a, a, a wood supplier. So t- tell me, too, uh, before we move on to the um, another thing I want to talk about, um, if people want to help you. Financially. Yes. Um, how do they do that? That's an <laughs> important you. thing. Well, we have closed our Fuel Your Neighbors campaign, so we don't really encourage you to go to that uh, website right now, but you can always go to capstonevt.org. And, you know, we have lots of other fundraising needs, unfortunately, because we wish all of people's needs were met. Uh, we work with a community kitchen academy. That's a workforce training program. Um, that helps folks uh, really get employed in um, the culinary arts, trained in culinary arts, and employed with our restaurants. Hugely important program, and that program is every day creating meals that are then per- given out at our food shelf. So that's one of many programs uh, that we need to re- raise money for. And just so you know, I have Chef Joey coming on the radio. In addition to doing the, a videotape of, of the cooking school, um, which will be on the website, I, uh, um, I'm inviting her on the show so people know all about it. Because I think that is the most amazing program. I mean, everybody that graduates gets a job. I mean, how cool is that? Chef Joey is somebody amazing. In fact, we have a graduation ceremony this, this afternoon right. for a program for our le- latest session that began in early January. That's it great. is a tremendous program for which there are not government funds. It's a, it's a <laughs> partnership with, um, the food bank, once right. again, who work with us. We also, uh, have a program or a partnership in uh, Chittenden County with Feeding Chitten and, and the CVOEO yeah. there. So this is a program that we're hoping to expand into Lamoille. Again, many reasons that we're looking for donations at uh, capstonevt.org. And just so you know, um, I don't know whether it's a motto or a slogan, but I've always been impressed because it says giving people a hand out, a hand up, not a hand out. And there is a big distinction in those words, and they try to help people with a hand up to help yeah. them become more independent, get a job, be self-sufficient. 
that's a great goal. You're right. We call it uh, community economic development with this workforce program, which is getting people into the workforce who have had barriers. We also have uh, what we call financial empowerment. We do money coaching, one-on-one, helping people understand credit, right. uh, get out of debt, um, establish a savings uh, count, uh, and make sure people understand how to how to really become more economically self-sufficient. This is something that isn't well understood with, right. by a lot of folks, and our um, financial coaching program is very successful at helping people really become and financially The head of that program was on this show as well. I should move and get an office in your building. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to talk about, because it's about Skinny Pancake, and I love Skinny Pancake, there <laughs> yes. is a program which is ending this month, which I'm very upset about because this is a win-win for everybody. It's called Vermont Everyone Eats. Could you talk about I just think this, whoever thought this up in the federal government must have had a darn good day. Well, I will give the credit to Vermont. Um, when the pandemic began, uh, oh so long ago, um, there was obviously acute um, food uh, needs. And you, I'm sure many Vermonters recall the long, long lines of uh, box distribution uh, of food. And um, there was a group um, that still is meeting uh, every two weeks called the Mass Feeding Group. And it's agency of um, human services. Uh, it's uh, the Food Bank and Hunger Free Vermont, it's community action agencies, it's the Department of Ed, many interagency collaborations with partners. One of the big ideas we had was to see how could we help restaurants survive through right. this pandemic and um, provide meals for folks who are food insecure. And such was born Vermont Everyone Eats. Um, so it was very much a collaborative organization that's presented this idea and that was funded by the FEMA, the right. Federal Emergency Management right. Agency. So until this month, um, we've been receiving the state of Vermont federal funding to provide restaurants um, money to, prov- to create meals and then organizations like Capstone. Um, we stood up in partnership with Skinny Pancake a food hub for the Vermont Everyone Eats. Um, and you will see we, we provided an extraordinary number of meals. We had 51 different part community partners, uh, everyone from the Rotary um, to the food shelves in our area, um, the Agency on Aging, um, the designated agencies, uh, delivering uh, food. I, I couldn't tell you all the different <laughs> 51 different That's organizations. I'll show you this yeah. list, Salvation Army. Um, and what we had done is make sure that the meals are created, nutritious meals, um, by local restaurants. We had a distribution system uh, through these 51 different partners. And overall, um, we provided statewide over 400,000 meals. Um, so it's been really in central Vermont, 25,000 meals per week have been right. distributed to local right. agencies, whether it's the federally qualified health center, um, whether it's the hospital, whether it's the capstone uh, or our Head Start home visitors delivering meals to people That's in great. need. That's what, um, I have a caller, Sue. Um, Fred, you're on the phone. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for Sue? Yeah, I sort of have a question for you. The, um, the federal government 
Health and Human Services. That's the that's one of the largest budgets. I looked it up. I don't know what year they were talking about, but it's one point six trillion dollars a year. Okay, it's one of the largest budgets the federal government has, probably rightly so. But anyways, my big question is this: of that one point six trillion dollars, you've got two. You have two constituencies that get that money. One is the people that need the money because they're, you know, desperate. And then the other one is the people who manage the uh, organization to uh, pass out the money. Who makes the most of that $1.6 trillion? The so-called bureaucrats or the people that need the money? And they don't tell you that. My guess is the people that manage it get most of that budget. Well, well, I, you know, I think there's a lot uh, of important things in your question. You know, I think health and human services even includes all of our health care spending. So you could, you know, look at how our insurance is and our hospitals, all of the important institutions that help make sure our community members are healthy and strong. And, uh, you know, I think in some uh, governments around the world, it might be the actual government that does this work. And in our case in Vermont and throughout this country, it's often nonprofit organizations. Sure. Um, I have no idea whether we would be more efficient, let's say, or cost effective if everything was done by an arm of government. But we do have a lot of members of the government who then have to oversee the work of all of the different nonprofit right. organizations. So, you know, there's no question if you could just give money out, it might be more efficient. Um, but I think there is some responsibility we have to making sure every dollar is used appropriately. And I think that's what some of that infrastructure right. is in place for. Yeah, I do agree with Sue. I think the nonprofits are in a better situation uh, to help people because they have they've got an infrastructure whereas if you just gave it to folks i bet there'd be a lot left out because they wouldn't know uh know how to access it um i just remember remember you mentioned box food remember at the Mm -hmm. granite museum they the um the guard was there handing out boxes of food big boxes there was a line down 302, I think people waited, and don't ask me why I remember eight hours, but that doesn't, that's not out of the question. Waiting for food. And we, I live right off of 302, so every time we went out, we saw the line, and it wasn't getting any smaller during the day. It was incredible. Yeah, the food box distribution program, again, that was really marshaled by the food bank uh, through these incredible distribution efforts. Um, I think I remember one at the airport, yeah. um, which went Same on thing. for miles and miles. Yeah. And we at Capstone uh, did a, a food box distribution as well. All of those food boxes were provided by actually the funding was for, through FEMA. But uh, putting the food into the hands of folks were often by volunteers, and that's right. another point. Is so much of the work that nonprofits do are actually through volunteers, which I think if everything was done through the government, it may not uh, be done that well. It is a question, you know, whether it makes more sense to, for example, have resources into the pockets of individuals uh, or into the pockets of in organizations that help those yeah, individuals. And, and all of these organizations report back about wh- where the money went and what happened. We have to take a break, Sue. Um, uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont 
Viewpoint on WDEV. Be right back with Sue Minter. Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Hi there, it's Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint, and on the phone with us is Simeon Chapin from the VSECU. Simeon, welcome to the program. Well, hello, Pat. So glad to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you, and uh, kudos to you and and my credit union, the VSECU. <laughs> my husband and I have been members for, well, I don't want to tell you how long because that gives away the age. But anyway, um, Sue oh, has Pat, been talking, Sue Minter is here talking about all that you have done for uh, being a partner with Capstone, and uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about your role uh, in sponsoring this initiative and what it's meant to you and the amazing folks at VSECU. I would be happy to, Pat, but first I want to back up a moment and just say thank you so much for being a member of uh, VSCCU. <laughs> thank you. We have to talk um, about this merger at some point here. Oh, we, we can get there, but, you know, it's people like you and all the rest of the members of VSCC that really, uh, you know, make the VSCC what it is uh, and enable, um, you know, the organization to, to engage with organizations like Capstone and um, make these kinds of impacts into our community. Um uh, to help those who are who are vulnerable, to help those who are in need, to help those who um, who are among us as our neighbors, um, who don't have um, the same abilities as everybody else to put food on the table, or the the same conditions to be able to put food on the table, or or keep their um, their uh, homes or apartments um, warm uh, through the cold winters that we have. Um, uh, you know, we've been part of the fuel your neighbors. Uh, campaign uh, for seven years. It's 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 been a great run. Um, uh, Sue, I think we've raised over a million dollars all That's told. Right. And I say we, but at the same time, you know, I really need to say, you know, VSCU is is a supporter of this effort, but it really is the folks at Capstone um, and and the whole community that really come out to make this um, campaign happen. So. Um, you know, VSCU is happy to be in a supporting role and and really uh, you know help. Capstone with um, you know some marketing and some communications and, and some some um, you know some grease for the wheels to get the things turning, um, but ultimately you know the, the 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 kudos really do go to the organization of Capstone as well as all the community which come out to support this need because at the end of the day Vermonters care about each other. This is this is what we do. This is what we do. I couldn't agree with you more. When the chips are down, that's when we're at our best. Mm. I just thinking of all of the weather storms we had with the uh, no tropical storm Irene. Um, we just helped each other out. It's such an amazing Absolutely. story of community uh, in Vermont, and yeah. I, I think I thank you, Simeon, and VSECU, and and all of the credit union members to. Uh, making sure that we are rooted in community and we are thinking about those who really still need our support. I mean, can I ask you, um, what is your uh, job at the VSECU? Because I have a note here that says you are the head of social impact. Is That is amazing. And kudos to the VSECU for having you there um, looking at well, social impact. 
Well, I mean, again, you know, right, it's, it's members who care about these things that make it possible for the CSECU to have someone like me have a title like that. Um, so, so head of social impact, I work um, in marketing and business development. My role is within, um, you know, creating partnerships outside of the uh, four walls of the organization um, into the, the um, nonprofit sphere, into the um, uh, you know, the networks which support sustainable business and, and Vermont's economy, such as Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility and others. I also have a hand in um, a giving, um, the philanthropy work of, of the credit union, as well as the way that we measure our social mission, right? Our social mission at VSCCU is to improve the quality of life for Vermonters and for our members. And um, and we, we do that, uh, you know, through measurement of our financial terms, you know, how much are we able to support our members with access to capital to make their lives um, better, uh, but also things like, you know, what's the impact of, of the VSCC on the environment? Um, what are we doing to help um, reduce energy usage um, for individual members, but also, you know, on the aggregate whole in, in Vermont? What are we doing to um, support um, a just society um, and, 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 and these are important things which um, many banks and credit unions uh, do. Um, some put more attention on it than others. And I think the, the membership of VSCCU has been supportive of um, this credit union um, really leading and putting our, our best foot forward into these, these spaces to, um, to do more than just financial services. We do that. We do that very, very well. But we also have a, a, a lens. Um, on top of that, which looks at the environmental and social impacts of what we do. So I get to play in those spaces, and, and that means that I get to hang out with people like Sue Minter and, <laughs> and really support the great work of other That's people. Good. You uh, couldn't pick anybody great. better, I wouldn't mm. think, to hang out with. Um, think, Sue's got more energy so. than I'll so. ever think of having. She uh, impresses me every time I see her. Um, and the, the uh, merger's going well, Simeon? The merger is going well. Um, and thanks for asking about it. I mean, I'd love to hear about it from you as, as a member, what your perspective is, of course. Um, I'll say um, uh, we legally uh, had the legal transaction on January 1st, right. and, and likely um, members haven't really seen much difference, which is exactly what we want right now. It's yes, thank you for that. When you're old like me and my husband, any change in, on technology and we're, sets us off into yeah. a la-la land somewhere. So yeah. thank you for that. Well, absolutely, and, and and we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes um, to make that transition uh, or whatever transitions will happen as we move towards merging the, the memberships onto um, you know one platform for for uh, for the back end of banking, one platform for home banking or online access, right. one one platform for digital banking. Um, we're doing a lot of work on the back end to make sure that that transition Excellent. for uh, members is as seamless as possible, and that we're preparing people. Um, to 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 have what they need, to have the information they need, so that um, we can just kind of continue to deliver. Uh, That's awesome. What we have been delivering for to members. So I'm really glad that so far, at least, you're experiencing uh, a positive, um, uh, you know, merger. Yes, thank you very much. And your people are fabulous. We all love Alva. I don't know anybody who doesn't. Um, <laughs> and all of the folks that work there, um, very nice group. I love going in. 
Of course, these days with technology, you don't go in as often as yeah, I used time. to, which is sort of sad because I like, hey, Pat, how are you? Anyway, Simon, well, Simeon, thank you in. so thank much you for joining back. us this morning. I, Sue's got to leave in a few minutes, and I've got one more question to ask her before she skips out the door. She's looking at me going, yeah. what is that question? It's about three Get squares. I need to clarify that. I want to just also say thank you on behalf of Capstone Community Action and all of the uh, folks that we serve um, for taking Taking a chance, partnering uh, this campaign with us, launching it, and sticking with us each year as our funding partner. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Simeon. We really appreciate it. I'll stop in and say hi one of these days and maybe get you on the show to talk more about your job because it sounds fascinating. Thanks a lot. I'll be happy to. Uh, Hope to see you soon, Pat. Thank you. And, Sue, I need to – I saw a note on, on what your staff gave me, and – I know there's a there's an answer here, but it talked about the upcoming loss of three square Vermont funding. But I liked your explanation, so go ahead because yeah. I thought it meant it was well, ending, and I was having a stroke here. Well, it the program as a whole is not ending, <laughs> but uh, the extended benefit that has been available to those who need it all during this pandemic is ending. And it's one, as we talked about, it's almost like a domino of programs that folks have been depending on, like Vermont Everyone Eats, and like the expanded uh, Three Squares benefit. Uh, this is huge. And once again, we know more and more people are going to rely even uh, more intensively on our food shelves. And I want to mention, you know, during this pandemic, we really started to understand how many people were isolated in their homes without transportation to our food shelf. So we actually have a mobile food pantry. We provide uh, oh. meals, uh, not just <coughs> meals, uh, but actual grocery bags. Um, and we've been Great. providing over 230 of those. Um, so it's just one of the many ways that we're repurposing. Um, but we really are bracing uh, for for demand that is increasing with so many important supports the government has provided now that it, it, it apparently the so-called emergency of this pandemic is ending officially, uh, the FEMA money is gone, so Vermont Everyone Eats is going away, the extended food benefits is going away, also the universal school meals, um, you know, where everyone was able to get meals at their school. Many, many programs have really uh, started to unfold. It upsets me in the food area that this is happening because when you've got 40% food insufficiency in an agricultural state, for heaven's sake, Mm -hmm. it just makes no sense to me. I don't get it. And thank you for mentioning the agricultural aspect because I do want to mention that the Vermont Everyone Eats program also required that the meals be at least 30% with local produce. Um, So... It was a win-win-win, and uh, it's very, very hard to sit where we do and know the extraordinary needs that uh, everyday Vermonters have. Uh, Through no fault of their own, they aren't able to make ends meet, and uh, they've been lifted up, and there really is a cliff. Uh, So we're worried, but we're here, and thank you to the community for supporting us uh, being able to serve those in need. Thank you very much for what you do, Sue. I really appreciate you and your staff. Thank you. Great group. So giving a hand up, not a handout. Uh, right. Sue Minter from Capstone. Um, we're going to take a break right now. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Thank you all so much.
Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV, and I need to have Danny come in here and fix our mic for our guest. So um, on the phone with us is Erica Scott, um, who is, uh, I think, title executive director, she'll have to clarify that for me, for the Lamoille Area Cancer Network, which is why my guests are here in the studio. But Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pat. Yes. Um, I'm so glad you're able to join us. Um, we just thought we'd take about 15 minutes to talk about your organization. And what impressed me most about it is that it's all volunteers. That's it a good is. thing. Yeah, all administrative services are donated. There's no paid employees of the organization. We just volunteers which means that 100% of all the donations are used to assist cancer patients in the Lamoille area, so we're very fortunate. So tell us a little bit about your organization, but first I do have to tell you that Roy McNeil is in the uh, studio with me, along with David Kelly, who, along with Sue Minter, have received the frequent flyer guest. <laughs> Steve Cormier came up today and said, is that man involved in everything? I said, pretty much. Um, anyway, Roy uh, is going to tell his story afterwards, but knows Lamoille Area uh, Cancer Network very well, I believe, and that is, true, is yeah. very uh, grateful. Maybe you could say hi. Hi to Erica. Don't know if you've met her. Hi, Erica. It's nice to nice to hear you on the radio again. <laughs> yes, you too. Thank you so much, Roy, for doing this for us. I, I'm we are truly honored that you have picked us and that you're gonna, you know, put this concert together. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Well, they're both are incredible people, I must say. So, um, so tell us a little bit about your uh, organization, Erica, and how many volunteers you have and your outreach in the community. So the Lamoille Area Cancer Network was founded in 2000. Um, Actually, one of the founding members was my great-aunt, Mary Hoisington, and also along with her was Margie Dean and Fluff Reynolds. Soon more joined, um, and they they were a local breast cancer support group, and they recognized the need in the community that they didn't think the American Cancer Society was, like, doing enough because, you know, they're more research-based. So it kind of just grew from there, um, and now we have a board of directors. I believe we're nine strong, and obviously that we couldn't do it without the community members on top of our our board. But um, but yeah, and so we I think we're currently helping forty eight people a month um, with grant assistance. It usually varies between fifty and sixty people a month that we help. That's that's amazing. That really is great um, because I know you're well known in the area. I've done a little research, um, um, and so it's really excellent. And and um, uh, just helping. Where is your aunt Mary? May I ask? Does she help you volunteer? How's that for a personal note, Erica? <laughs> Unfortunately, she passed in oh. 2013. Um, but you know, she. It's funny. I didn't. I never had much to do with LACM when she. And it's one of my bigger regrets. When she was around, I didn't. I wasn't as involved. And then it just sort of naturally happened. They used to meet. The board would meet at her house, and I had taken over the house after she passed. And so it kind of naturally led into me joining the board, and you know, um, kind of working myself up the ranks. And I've been part of it since 2013. So I'm on my tenth year. That's great. Um, and I am the. I say I always tell you I'm the interim 
board chair because <laughs> if anybody else would like it, it is all there. I understand. You have to learn how to say no. I'm going to classes right now to figure uh, out. I'm yeah. back volunteering again, and I don't understand that something's wrong. But thank goodness you're doing it. I'm a cancer survivor. Matt is obviously, and he's going to tell his story a little bit later. Uh, Roy, what did I say? Oh, I'm sorry, Roy. Good grief. Sorry. It's an age thing. Um, uh, Roy. And um, it's what you do is it's needed. I mean, people need a place to go to feel safe and that feel somebody's interested in them and willing to help. And it's a scary thing. I was just telling, I went yesterday for my yearly checkup and the week before I'm thinking, oh God, please let it be all right. Please let it be all right. And you go through the same nonsense I went through, you know, eight, 10 years ago. And every year I do the same thing. So you need somebody to put uh, put an arm around your shoulder and tell you it's going to be okay. So, so thank you. And you're, most of the work that you do is giving out grants to people, right? To, to help uh, pay for the treatments that they get. So we, yeah, we give monthly grants um, to people that are um, going through treatment while they're in a facility and, we don't put any kind of parameters on what they use it for. If if they want to go out to dinner to take their mind off of things or pay it for a heat bill, or uh, we we don't put any kind of a, a lock on what they can use it for. It's just we give the money, and if they use it for gas to get themselves to the treatments, that's fine. I mean, whatever they want to do. Um, but we mostly do focus on the grants. I, it's funny how when you add different board members over the years, years you get – with them, their Rolodex of contacts. And so different, we've been able to add things as we, as we go, you know, and right now they're working on one, um, like the ability to give rides to people that have treatments in Burlington. And because we hear so many people that will say, you know, I have to take the bus every day to Burlington to treatments and that breaks my heart. It's like, it's not that they don't have a good support system. It's just that those support system people still need to work. Right. but you do what you got to do to get there. So we're working on some other options. Um, but I also know that, you know, Central Vermont has started their own type of um, network. And there's some others that are growing as well throughout the state, which is great to hear that are offering, you know, where we offer the monetary assistance, they're offering, you know, uh, other things. So I think it's very it's warming to hear that there's other people out there that are trying to do the same thing we are because it's, like you said, it's just, it's sad, but it's, this is something, this disease is growing by the second. So, My dad, uh, we, we come from New Jersey and he volunteered to drive cancer patients to their treatment. He, he would do that and he, he would get so involved in these people's stories and feel so bad for them. He'd come home sometimes just visibly upset and hoping yeah. that, that, that short ride and his talk helped a little bit. Um, uh, because and I think he'd it see, does. yeah, it, it, and he said it, he felt it too that he was doing a, a yeah. good thing and and um, just high, a friendly face that that people see every time they go to treatment and that's um, so if people want to volunteer, Erica, what do they do? Reach out to you? How do they do that? Well, um, we're currently our website is almost done being redone, huh. almost done being redone. That sounds redundant, um, but they can go to lacnvt.org. There is a, a form to a submission form on there that they can fill out if they want to volunteer or if they know of someone that needs assistance. I think one of the things that 
we've struggled with um, since HIPAA has really become what HIPAA is today is, you know, we used to get all of our referrals from directly from the doctor's office. And obviously now that is a no-go. So we really count on the family members and neighbors and friends to let us know when somebody is going through their journey with, with cancer treatments in a facility. So if, if you know of somebody that does need an, you know, assistance in the right. Lamoille area, please let us know. Okay. I just am going to turn the mic over to Roy for a minute because I think he wants to say something. Well, yeah. I mean, from, from my perspective, that was the one, one of the most amazing things was someone referred me, I guess, and then all of a sudden they said that I was going to be receiving support from this organization I'd actually never heard of, Lamoille Area Cancer Network. And I thought, well, surely I'm going to have to send in some forms or do some paperwork or something. But nope. no, they just – someone had said this community member is going through cancer, and the next thing I knew I was getting monthly checks. And it was uh, just amazing that that That's happened. That's great. That's real. Yeah, I like that model too, Erica, that yeah. you, you give the money to the patients. And uh, yeah. the same here, we – I was involved with, you know, the 18-hour walk around the, the high schools and, and raising money yeah. for uh, cancer. But um, that, that money wasn't given to the, to the patients themselves. And I just think that's a, that's a good model because they see firsthand that you're supporting them and, and uh, um, wanting to do whatever you can. So thank you for that. And thank you for everything you do. We're going to take a break, and then I will formally introduce the guests who are here with me in the studio, David Kelly um, and Roy McNeil. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Your host for Vote uh, Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. I almost said Vote for Vermont. That's my other gig. Um, but anyway, let me formally introduce those uh, who have joined me in the studio. David Kelly, who is a frequent flyer on this. Um, do you play any instruments here, David? Don't no. I wish. <laughs> but I do support music at the Highland Center to my utmost ability. That's great. And, and thank you for all that you do, by the way. And my special guest is Roy McNeil, who uh, plays the violin, viola, and guitar. And welcome to the show, Roy. Thank you, Pat. It's yeah. a pleasure to be Sorry here. about the Matt. Do you know who Matt is? I'm working with the VSO, and oh. Matt is my contact there. And so music, yeah. music, which is why I they're, – they're doing something new, and we're going to have a show on about the well, – You've played with the VSO, haven't Did you? Did you? I have not yet played with the oh, well. Orchestra, although I do – Stick um, with us. We'll One get day. you. Yeah. <laughs> Putting a good word for me, Pat. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we're here to talk about a fundraiser for the Lamoille Area Cancer Network – and uh, thank you to Erica Scott for coming in for just a few minutes to set this up. Uh, this concert began with Roy um, and his sister Mavis. And I'm sorry she can't join us today because I wanted to talk about the impact of cancer on family. And But she teaches full-time music at the Hazen Union. So welcome to you both. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves. David, I'll start with you since you've got your introduction down to a science here. Well, I'm, I'm Dave Kelly. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I live in Greensboro, and uh, I I'm, try to be deeply involved with the Highland Center for the Arts. Roy is a musician who lives in Greensboro, and so oh, um, good. We, uh, the Highland Center for the Arts brings us and lots of other people together. And you want to talk a little bit about yourself? 
Sure, yeah. So I grew up in Greensboro, and it's a very small town. It's kind of a, str- a strange town because it's a lake town, and you get this population explosion in the summertime. Oh, pop- it's like absolutely nuts. And then a very small, a very small <laughs> amount of people during the rest of the year, but there, there was always stuff going on, and I was very fortunate to have parents that valued music and grandparents that supported my mom would drive me to violin lessons every week, and I hated it, but she made me do it, and I actually came to really, really appreciate that later in life. And uh, and yeah, um, I went other, I went to school in Maine, but then I came back from that, and that's when I got cancer. I figured I'd skip to the main part. Yeah, of the no, thing go we're right, right, to the, right to the yeah, right, uh, to the bones. right to the news. <laughs> that's kind of what brought me back here in many in many ways. Yeah, really? For sure. Well, uh, it, it caused me to stay in Greensboro for, for that time. Um, because I, w- I was supposed to be going off to grad school, and then I got this diagnosis, and they told me I had a 95% chance that this first treatment would just cure me. So I was like, okay, I'll do the treatment and defer the grad school till the spring. And um, so I hung out in Greensboro for a year, and that's when they were just talking about building this Highland Center for the Arts. And um, I didn't take the cancer very seriously. I, I truly believe it had a, a lesson to teach me, and I actually remember a time thinking that I needed to have something bad happen to me um, in order for me to take my life more seriously because I was very aware that I was not doing the things that I wanted to do and doing actively doing things like drinking too much or something ah. that I knew weren't good for me. And I was like, why can't I just take my life more seriously? So, so I was imagining maybe I'd like break my leg and be in the hospital for a couple of weeks and and then be over. But of course, I ended up with this, like, uh, what seemed like a chronic illness for seven years, um, which really shook me to my core and completely forced me to get past all the really negative aspects of my personality that were dragging me down. And um, I mean, it's an ego shattering experience, I think, especially when you're forced to that level of vulnerability, where you have to really rely on those people around you. And you are so weakened and it's a powerful thing to go through and I'm very fortunate to be on the other side of it and very excited to be back here in Vermont using the life that I now do have to maybe use in a meaningful way in my community. That's so. great. Good for you. It's good to learn from yes. our experiences and <laughs> yeah. it, be careful what you ask for when you when you said you wished and I broke did. your leg. Be careful. I asked my husband. We we have a place in Maine and we go back and forth and it drives me crazy going back and forth because you got to pack and a pack and, and I said to him, just this. Could we just stay in Maine for a month? Just give me a month. So he wound up in the hospital for nine weeks and I got what I asked for. <laughs> so I don't care if we go back and forth a hundred thousand times this summer. I'm fine with that. Thank you very much. Um, anyway, so let's talk about this fundraiser because it's amazing. And, um, I have the letter that David that you sent out, um, announcing this event and maybe you could talk us through it because there is a laundry list of musicians on here, which is just incredible. Well, I think Roy no, can do can that. Can Roy do that? Okay. Roy, oh, these sure. are Roy's friends and okay. fellow musicians. He knows them better oh, than sure. I do. Maybe I'll, I'll sort of go back a little bit before this concert because the reason this concert is happening is because I did something similar while I was getting treatment back in 2016. I think was the first one, the first benefit we did for Lamoille Area Cancer Network, and that was – my incentive was they, they were actively supporting me at that time. It was like, look, I need to 
tell them how thankful I am. And it, one of the things that was beneficial about cancer, I guess, in getting the support that I did is because, well, I couldn't have a regular job. And that's something a lot of people don't think about. It's not just being sick and everything. It's that, like, you're going through all this other stuff that prevents you from making money or, or you have that transportation issue. or right. um, Anyway, so, so I had this time to really dedicate to bringing my musician friends together, and we did a fantastic concert, and then we did another one the next year, and it was gearing up to be kind of an annual thing until COVID happened. Um, and I just found that bringing people together to make music is a lot more fun than just doing it with a small group. <laughs> and I just feed off this energy, and then COVID happened, and then we, we I made a lot of music with my family, which is really fun. My sister yeah, Mavis is an right. and my mom, who is uh, just... A, a wonderful musician in her, in her own right. She never had the opportunity to study it in the way I did, which is why lessons were such a priority growing up. But when it came time to do a concert again, it's like after talking to all these community members who live nearby and just, they're like, look, I like to play music and there's, I have to drive an hour to play in this community orchestra or that one. And I was like, well, I like to, I like to bring people together to make music. What if I just found out a way to, to make it possible for all these people to come to come together, and so I did. I started this small orchestra of awesome, like just people, mostly from five or ten minutes down the road. Right. A couple of people right. are coming from Morrisville or a little further, but yeah. I just had Reed Prescott on the show the other day, and he's a uh, painter turned wood carver because of some eye problems that he had, and he's very well known um, in the state for his work. And mm-hmm. he was talking about the creative economy, and how and I've always said this on the show. How many talented, really talented people there are in every one of the arts here in Vermont, and we don't sell it well enough. Mm-hmm. I think people would come here from other states if we promoted this creative economy and yeah. made them an equal part of of our economy because they're everywhere. I mean, the theater, the arts, painting, music, um, like you and your sister. Um, I, I, I should mentioned. talk about some of these other people. Yes, please we do. We do have some incredible. I'm just going to kind of go down the list that. The first name after myself and Mavis is Andrew Kohler, my, my brother-in-law, who's just oh. a virtuoso jazz piano guy, and he does uh, just an incredible job with there. He, uh, he was in a lot of bands in New York City. The next name on the list is Andrea Breitenbach, who is a beloved member of the community, um, She and she plays with the uh, Vermont Philharmonic, so already we have like a jazz keyboard player Whoa. and a classical oboe player in the same in the same concert. Uh, and she was a longtime music teacher as well. Um, Jeff Reinhardt is, uh, frequently plays with Bread and Puppet, as does his pet partner, Esteli. Irene Nagel, um, mm. is just another, she lives like two minutes, literally, walking distance from HCA, and she's just there. She drives, t- uh, an hour twice a week, t- or actually two hours round trip to play in, um, to play in, <laughs> yeah, um. Thank you, Steve in two different community orchestras. Um, so she's, she's, it's great to have her. The next name on the list is Fiona Bach, who is an outstanding violin student of mine from Glover, who she only started a year and a half ago, and I'm just blown away. She has made, she's playing like a Mozart symphony in this concert with us. Wow. She has just the most incredible focus and determination and it's it's just really exciting for me. And and that actually brings us the next name is also a student. And part of my vision was to have 
young people as well as um, older community members playing together. So um, that's really cool. Uh, and then Mary Fowler also is a, a high school student who's there. Thurman Knight on cello, he is a luthier from Glover. A luthier is someone who makes violins oh. and cellos. He owns the website violinviolacello.com. Um, anyway, I'm actually going to be playing a violin he made in this concert that was made last year. It's a new violin, and it is amazing sounding. Uh, should I keep going? Uh, yeah, next... please, uh, because we need to go for a break in a minute, so okay. you, we'll, you can the, lead us into the break. The next name is probably the biggest local star power we have, which is Justin Lander um, of Vermont vaudeville fame, and uh, as well as Modern Times Theater, his current outfit. So he's... An incredible actor, obviously, but he's also a very wonderful musician playing upright bass and also the lap steel on my song, Little Rider, which I believe you're going to hear yes, the recording. Right. Of, and the, I'm very proud of the recording. The only thing that is missing, I now realize, is the lap steel because of the way Justin plays the lap steel. But uh, maybe we'll leave it there for now. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's uh, and that's wonderful. And if anybody wants to go to this concert, we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Um, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. And at, we'll end the break with, as um, we were just hearing about, Little Rider. Sit up, little rider, while you're all slouched down. How can you see? How can you breathe when you're crumpled in a ball at the bottom of the wall and you lost your feet somewhere under your seat and you're steering pretty sharp? It's Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint, and you were just listening to our guest playing Little Rider. Do you want to talk a little bit about that song and any of its potential history? Oh, sure. I guess it's significant to me because, well, it was the first song I wrote that was like three chords, and I wanted to be able to write a song that could sustain itself in, a, in like a basic, simple way for, for a while, and it... Um, the other thing that's significant, I guess, is that I actually recorded it myself, and it was a long lifetime journey or goal to be able to make a recording and have it sound good enough to be on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was... It's a uh, great song. Well, thank you. It's yeah. The words are, are wonderful. Yeah, well, the, the, the words... I was lucky with that, that song. I actually was talking to someone I had just met. She was staying across the road from me in Greensboro. I was at college when I came home for this weekend, and... I went for this walk with this girl, and she was going through some crazy time in her life. And she said the words, 
Well, I just don't want to have to grow... She'd been through a bad situation with a guy, and then she said, I don't want to have to grow up too fast again. Huh. And that's what I say at the end of the song. Little Ryder's scared. Um, She's going to lose her friends. She doesn't want to grow up too fast again. And and just that's such a profound idea. Yes, very wise. And and, and that that just sparked the whole song somehow. That's awesome. It was cool. Well, if you want to hear more um, from my guests and all of the other folks that uh, Matt uh, commented on, um, did I do it again? I called him Matt. There's a reason for that, which I explained (laughs) to Roy. (laughs) I'm dealing with somebody from the VSO who's coming on this show, uh, and his name is Matt, so I'm confusing my music sources. But anyway... um, you started documenting your journey in video, and with your permission, I would like to play a little bit of the video that you did in the beginning when you knew you had cancer, mm-hmm. and, whoa, I was crying at home, so oh, wow. maybe, oh, it was very emotional. I'm and, sitting in the forest and practicing talking into a camera, and um, doing that for many reasons. It's strange, I immediately feel nervous doing this because it's something I've always been uncomfortable with, I guess. It's just listening to the sound of my own voice and seeing myself. Basically, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And I've always wanted to make music work And it seems the way a lot of people are doing that with the internet, YouTube. I've been very inspired by a lot of really excellent creators who show how they make music or just talk about their process and their life. And I think I've always liked the idea of documenting what I've done, but sort of felt afraid to. So I'm forcing myself to do it. I'm here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, to receive my second dose of CAR-T therapy. They take your cells, then they modify them to be enhanced to attack cancer cells, and then they put them back in your body. I've done this once before. It seemed to help me, so I'm going to try to do it again. I've had cancer for more than five years now and started treatment almost exactly five years ago now. I guess that's a big mark, five years. I was supposed to be done with this a long time ago, but for whatever reason, um, it didn't work out that way. And I'm still with it. So as well as music, I thought it'd be good to document my experience with that and show how they're connected, how... Because of my experience with cancer, I've in some ways been in, been enabled to, to pursue exactly what I want to do with music. So, starting... Now, I'm going to start documenting my life with cancer and music, and also nature. As you can see, I am in nature. We'll see where this goes. That's a way I hope to set myself apart 
potentially from other Hi there, I'm back. Um, Roy, I, when can, where could people link into your videos that you've done? So I think if you just search my name, Roy McNeil, M-A-C-N-E-I-L, on E-I-L, that is, on YouTube, uh, it should, it should come oh, up. Oh, on YouTube, okay, my, my we can channel. do yeah, that. Yeah, it's just a YouTube <laughs> channel. Uh, I've been meaning to return to there. Um, but it's interesting, once I stopped having cancer, my, I, I suddenly lost the thread of what my life I wanted to document about, and I be, it became necessary for me to sort of pull away from the internet. I've been kind of off social media for a couple of years now, which has been great. But I do want to return to, to sharing, sharing what I do on, on YouTube That's in great. the future. Well, yeah. they are very moving, and the, the scenery uh, that he shows on the videos is just stunning in the woods and, um, and you could see how hard it was for you to talk about this, and hmm. I appreciate that because I didn't say I was a, a cancer survivor for many, many years till I had a charming experience with a TSA person on an airline. <laughs> then I started <laughs> screaming, I am a survivor. I survived her. Um, <laughs> but um, if anybody wants to go to this uh, fundraiser, at the uh, at the lodge, it you go to Highland Arts VT all one word dot org backslash calendar and you can buy your tickets online. I will be there and I hope to see you all there. Well, you know, I think something that I'd like us to be able to talk about for a minute is is the Highland Center for the Arts. Yes, and the fact that though we are in the most rural part of Vermont. We are also in the most intensely creative and artistic part Absolutely. of Absolutely. And, and the, the Highland Center for the Arts has sort of been um, a, a, almost a, a nuclear uh, a piece of the community because it has brought uh, and coalesced the artistic uh, parts of the Northeast Kingdom together. And, and this concert is an example. But the richness of music and the arts in our area is sometimes uh, just almost hard to grasp. Um, and somehow the Highland Center for the Arts landed in the middle of all of this. <laughs> and, and you would think, well, the Northeast Kingdom, why? And yet it's been just the most remarkable thing to have it bring so many people together and so much uh, incredible art together and present it to the public. It's a beautiful – the first time I went was when uh, you were involved in the fundraiser for the Ukrainians who are here in in Vermont. And that's the first time I'd ever – I've always heard about it but never went – it's beautiful. And the acoustics are perfect. There's a restaurant there. I mean – Everything's right there. You can't get home from there, but that's another story. <laughs> and, and well, but the, the and and what it did was it 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 somehow brought together the richness and the wealth of creativity and art that was there in the Northeast Kingdom. And I yep. think the beauty of the land, the lake, uh, the rivers of the Northeast Kingdom. We have always attracted artists, great writers, Wallace Stegner, John Gunther, Greta Garbo used to come, you know, uh, and, and it was this quiet place where people thought and worked and created. Right. And now there is this venue and it's, it's just been remarkable and wonderful. 
That is, that's really Greta Garbo, David. Yes, yes. There you are there stories there. I oh, never she heard that. In Greensboro on get, the lake. Yeah. Get out. Hey, well, Mick Jagger. Apparently, and, she liked uh, skinny dipping. Uh, <laughs> too much Jagger, information. <laughs> Mick Jagger with his girlfriend. He was dating Jerry, somebody or other. Oh, the back. model. But yeah, yeah right. Yeah, no, I mean I Elijah Wood showed up in town too one day. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. nobody but, comes no, to no, Berlin. I, I had breakfast with William Rehnquist once, the Chief Justice yeah. of, the, <laughs> of the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, I had breakfast with him at the high. But, you know, the Northeast Kingdom has attracted artists. You know, great Robert Frost was there on Lake Willoughby all right. the time. Um, you know, um, what was the uh, the latest poet? What was his name? Um, but it, the Northeast Kingdom quietly attracts these wonderful artists. And the, Green, the Highland Center for the Arts in Greensboro – then gave people like Roy, an incredible violinist. Right. Um, I've listened to Roy in concerts many times. I mean, these people are not just, you know, well, I like to play violin. No, no, these are, these are world-class violinists. Exactly. Right. And Annie Rao, you don't hear of these people. But, I mean, these are fabulous violinists. One of the people singing at this concert, um, I think his name is Woolard. Oh, Kyle Willard. Kyle yeah, that Willard. was actually the next name on the list, my dear friend from Glover. What a fabulous singer. He blew me away in a concert once, you know? So you will hear this rich, incredible talent. And, uh, and we have not just rich, incredible talent, but we have a venue a world-class right. venue. Absolutely. I was so shocked, in the, seriously, in the middle of nowhere, from my perspective anyway. But it it's was, not the it, middle of nowhere. That's well, just what everybody I need to thinks. see it in the light. It's, I was at dark there, and it was if like, you like... If you like beer and cheese, it's the center of the universe. <laughs> oh, no kidding. That yeah. happens to be two of my... <laughs> I, I mean, but, yeah. you know, you think it's the middle of nowhere, but yeah. it's it's just the opposite. It's the epicenter of art That's and great. great food. Good for you. So That's a, i got to go up there more in the in the light. You, you need light. to come up. I do, so Somebody needs to take me around. Anyway, we have to take a break, gentlemen. Um, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEB. We'll be right back. In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint, back here in the studio at WDEV with David Kelly and um, uh, Roy McNeil. Um, we've heard um, a song by Roy, and he's an amazing talent. And you, he read you the list of all these people that are going to be um, at this fundraiser. And we were just talking about traveling to Greensboro. <laughs> it's a challenge if you don't know your way around. Just saying. <laughs> I couldn't get home last time. I was like, oh, my God, where am I? And even, uh, oh, I know. And what do you call it didn't even work? The The directional thing. Your, your GPS? On yes. Your, well, oh, you know. you're driving me, David, and that's it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, first of all, I don't think it's that difficult. I don't want the world thinking that no, it's not. It was just me. I've never been there, and it was dark time. Okay. It was night, so I. I well, you'll uh, get a pass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank but you. But most people have these things called smartphones now. 
and and you just say, Siri, give me the directions to Greensboro. And remarkable. I, I have that. But you can't see the roads. The trees are all overgrown and there's no signs on the roads that say Spring Hill, turn right. It's no. part of the charm. You can get, Is it? You can yeah. Get, yeah. Thank you. Anyway, I'm going to this thing. If you find me the next morning at, having breakfast. At the, at the, You're so, always welcome. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, David. Anyway, um, so I am very sorry that uh, your sister uh, was not able to come today because um, she um, wrote and, and sings um, a song. It's called The Library. But I had wanted to talk to her about what it means to be a family member of somebody right. who is dealing with cancer because it's not something they train you for and it's mm. and you don't sometimes don't know the right things to say or yeah. and it's and it's a burden on them too cuz they're th- wishing you the the very best and hoping it works out but you just never know and, but you know the answer to that question yourself well, I do in my home. They through just, it. Yeah. So. And uh, Bruce was uh, was amazing. And I also tell him about a friend of mine uh, who lived in the town next to me in, in New York. And she was living with this guy. And the minute he heard the big C, he was gone. But I had chat with him, too, about that. Well, so, I, I think your experience, Roy, and certainly my experience has been very different. You know, we've talked about mm-hmm. that silver lining right. and the impact on families. Yeah. And I know you have a message for, for men, don't you? From, from I do from have men. a message for men. Get your PSA checked every year after the age of 50. Right. Um, if you do, because almost every man gets uh, prostate cancer and many men die with prostate cancer. Right. It, it doesn't have to be the reason you die. Um, it's, uh, if you catch it early enough, right. you can fix it. Right. But if you let it metastasize, uh, you're in serious trouble. And, uh, every doc, I, in my opinion, it's malpractice for a doctor not to have men get their PSA checked every year. I agree with you. I know so many men who have dealt with that and, um, it's a it's a scary diagnosis because you hear all, you always hear the bad stuff. You never hear when I had my breast cancer. Um, I you only hear about the the bad things. I went over to the legislature. I can't tell you how many women in that legislature came up to me. Mm-hmm. I had it 15 years ago. I had it 25 years ago. I had it 10 years ago, and it made me feel great. Like whoa, <laughs> well if they did it, I can do it. Yeah. And well, there you another go. thing that's happening is that. The medical profession is making progress, right. um, and uh, remarkable things are being done. And so, compared to where we were 25 or 30 years ago, right. exactly, um, there are a lot more people who survive. Exactly. We do have a caller, Michelle from Plainfield. Michelle, you're on the phone. Uh, you're on the show. Could you um, let Hi. us know if you have a question? So, uh, um, my husband had cancer um, 20 years ago. And in his fifties, and it was we. They told us it was curable. It was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, anyway, that's and, what I had. And he's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, the yeah. best lymphoma. Right, the best <laughs> thing you can get. There was <laughs> such a thing. And and then people would come up to me, and I could t- almost tell within uh, ten seconds if they were going to tell me a bad story, <laughs> and I'd say stop. <laughs> right. Because everyone wanted to tell you the story, and, and I would say, stop only if it's good. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I had to do that. And it was, it was, I think people get anxious or something, so they start 
to tell you about the friend who died, you know. And uh, you don't want to, I don't want to hear it. And uh, and then occasionally it was someone with a positive story. But basically I didn't want to hear until he was better. So I'm just saying I, I highly recommend saying stop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and people can come up with all these recommendations too. Like, have you tried this or that? Yeah, right, right. right. It can get really tiresome. Stop, yeah. right, right. They honestly do mean well, though. They just yes, don't. Yeah. It's sort of like, well, when you're at a funeral and you don't know what to say, you just supposed to say I'm sorry and just move on. But right. um, no, we always try to well, be. But, and, but they're scared and they're yeah, right. Right. Yes. So, so you have to educate them quickly. But before. sounds like your husband's in is good yeah, and he's in excellent health. Excellent. Well, they, uh, just as David just said, there's so many new things. Um, uh, I have a, uh, somebody I know up in Maine who, who had a procedure that I'd never heard of before. And I was like so thrilled. I said, where was that when I was going through this, you know? Because it's changed. So if you listen to the old stories, they may be completely not true anymore because of all the new things that they've come up with. So you've gotta, gotta well, go early and, and get her done. And, you know, we all complain about, uh, uh, the cost of medicine and, and health insurance and so forth. But one of the blessings that we all have is being in the United States and having facilities like Mass General, Dana-Farber, Sloan Kettering. Um, these are places that people from around the world come to. And though our healthcare system may not be perfect, um, it is quite incredible. Yeah, it is. It really is. Thank you very much for calling in, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Good to hear. And from a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. So I'm going to um, have Danny play for us a, a song that was written and sung by your sister. Mm-hmm. It's I, called... I recorded the music. Oh, cool. And uh, family event. Yes. This is good. <laughs> um, collaborators. A, uh, and it's called The Library, and Danny's going to play for us right now. Thank you. A lover, you're all 
Okay, and we're back uh, with Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV, and that's another example of what you're going to hear on Saturday night if you go to this fundraiser. And this song, um, I was just asking Roy about it, was written by um, My because Mavis. Mavis wrote it for Fern Feather, and I don't know how many of you out there remember Fern, um, but... Maybe talk a little bit about why your sister wrote this song about Fern. Well, we were friends coming up together. They were particularly close. Like, with everyone who Fern connected with, Mavis just felt incredibly comfortable and more sure of of herself around Fern because that's what Fern did. He somehow had a way of being compassionate and empathetic and just wonderful to be around. And Mavis was actually in love with someone else at that time and writing songs for them. But then Fern said, hey... Can you write me a song? <laughs> cool. And then so she wrote this song. Nice. Is, and then it was just there. And then when Fern was tragically murdered in mm. Morrisville last year, last year, she brought up this song. She was like, hey, I think I'd like to record this. And um, I said, okay. And we tried to record it. And it, I didn't quite capture the vibe, but then I, I returned to it in the last couple good. of months. And we did it, and we're going to perform it um, in, Fern, in, Fern's, in Fern's memory. On That's Saturday great. Night, I was very fortunate to meet her, but not for very long, but certainly mm-hmm. to meet her and get a, a sense of who she was. Yeah. She was great. Um, I was going to talk about um, some uh, talking about nature and, and people living in Vermont and why they loved it. Um, this state is the least church-going state mm-hmm. in the nation. That's really? a statistic. Not too proud of it, but that's the way it goes. And there was a group of people, um, environmentalists, and being quiet and refined that I am, I went up to them and I asked them why that was. And they said to me, because we get our love of God and our love for him from nature, from what's all around us. And when we walk out in the woods and by a stream or whatever, we feel the power, and that's what we use. And I went, well, can't argue with that, can you? Oh, so, not isn't at that all. an amazing response? I understand that. Yeah, completely. I do. No, I yeah. did too. And I, and I, I just shut my mouth after that and just. Well, said, when I go fishing, that was I, th- th- that's is that, uh, that's what ma- reminded yeah. me. Yes. I think for all of us being in Vermont and, yeah. and just sort of understanding that this beauty has to come from a power greater than than us. The, the wildlife, the mountains, the rivers. Uh, there is some great mystery, some something right. going on that right. no one can explain. I think, and and I've, some people can try, and they can, and they're very way, way beautiful ways of understanding what that beautiful thing that is God or whatever it is. And are. you don't you don't get a clue of that in the canyons of New York City. Oh no, <laughs> you, know, you don't. Uh, right. You know, you, get, you, you can have an appreciate for human ingenuity and and uh, what the. Tech, technicians were able to achieve. There is something remarkable about that, but well, it's not it, the same it, as God's majesty in the in the. It, it persuades me that the... there is a hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very impressed with that answer they gave me because I am I I need that physical church on Sunday just to mm. get my head straight. And, and you know, I I think mm-hmm. the church in Greensboro is still very vibrant for some reason. Right. Um, on Sundays, the United Church of Christ is pretty busy. Yeah. I think the more uh, Unitarian churches are doing well, that's one of those that's very open-minded and inclusive, whereas I think I grew up in a Catholic background, and those churches are really struggling. That's too inclusive there. uh, They're they're struggling (laughs) in our community right now. Well, and all the uh, the things that are happening on the college campuses with hundreds of thousands of kids being feeling um, religion and feeling the strength amongst themselves and just not afraid to to show it. But anyway, I just I thought that was cool about Vermont. Well, and I I think uh, you know 
um, when you grow up here, uh, it sort of seeps into your your soul. Yeah, the it does. appreciation of being yeah. outdoors. And we shine when we're when we're faced with adversity, like responding to to floods, and we're right there. Anyway, I have to take another break. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We'll be right back with you. Hi there, it's Pat McDonald. We're back with Vermont Viewpoint and my guests. And I am going to ask uh, Roy to talk a little bit more about the concert because the more they talk, the more I want it to happen now. It's very exciting. <laughs> it is It is really exciting. It's the biggest group of people I've ever brought together. And I read some of the names before, but I just want to really guarantee that if you come out, you will see a musical gathering unlike you've Unlike any you've seen before, we have so many different genres of music. We have jazz, we have a pop song, we're, we're going to have like uh, Mr. Blue Sky by the Electric like Orchestra, um, and also like a Mozart symphony. And um, it's good, but it's not going to be Mozart in the way you normally would hear it. Um, our drummer actually is Perry Heller, who owns the business MacNurse, and he's a great drummer. And he's going to play drums on the Mozart, so it's going to be great. Um, and we have. Uh, like a, a Macedonian folk tune. Oh, something I'm really excited about is uh, some of my f- traditional heritage music, so f- French-Canadian fiddle music, um, featuring my mom, actually. She's been doing clogging, so she's like I love tapping. clogging. It's so great. Oh, she's been it. practicing it obsessively. It's so cool. It, it adds so much energy to this like folk music. I mean, it, like I, I struggle to fiddle. I, I, I'm a classical violinist, but I also learned, actually, from another person we haven't talked about, is Alan Church, who are making... The donation to LACN in the, in memory of he was my violin teacher when I was a, a kid and he really was able to instill right. a love for that kind of music. So I'm going to be playing an Irish fiddle tune in his memory. Um, oh, there's a professional group of singers coming from St. Jay, the Hal- Halcyon Chorale. Great, who are they just, are fabulous. I've heard, heard them. them. Oh yes, They're for sure. So this is a really oh and and like I said, there's some kids involved. I'm just looking at these names. <laughs> I, so I teach a lot of different instruments. I teach violin from beginning to advanced level. I teach guitar. Um, my bass, electric bass student, who I started teaching last year, is, is 11 years old. He goes to Lakefield Elementary, and he, was, he brought in the song, Mr. Blue Sky. He learned it on, on the electric bass, and we're like, you know what? You can absolutely play the heck out of this thing. You should come play it in the concert. That's great. And, it's and how really old is cool. he? He's 11. Oh, I love he it. He absolutely holds it down. It oh, is that's great. awesome. It's like we <laughs> talked about my playing the accordion. You think you can sit? I'm just kidding. Just don't even get that Do look. Do you play the accordion? I used to. I was in Ralph Falaco's accordion band. No can, kidding. Can you believe that? If you no. set, show up to the soundtrack. <laughs> With the accordion, we'll see what we yeah, can do. <laughs> Those bellows have long since dried out. I don't even know where it is anymore. What, but if, I played, what if we had a working accordion? We were going to have – did you see our poster? We, we were going to have an accordion in the show. That's what he said, told me. He said, oh, they have an accordion, but there's not one in the show. And I said, well, are you in luck? I, I can't. All I knew was White Christmas and Come Back to Sorrento. Who wants to hear these? In Greensboro, Vermont, I ask you. Well, for, I, for our next Christmas show, David, yeah, we'll right. have to have her do White Christmas yeah, and yeah, the accordion. And, you know, I, something, I want to add something to what Roy's saying. I mean, not just incredible musicians playing a really incredible list of uh, music, but at an incredible venue. I can't imagine where you would find better acoustics anywhere, not in New York City, not in Boston. The acoustics... It's different than a concert hall because in a concert hall, there's this wash of reverb, which can be nice, but here, you can hear everything. If you want to, like, zero in and see what, like that violin player in the back is doing, you could actually pick out their sound because it's so clear and yep. pristine, but it's... it's when I got it, there, I sat on the side and I thought, ooh, 
but no, it was perfect. It oh, was yeah. really, it was excellent, no matter Any, where anywhere. you sat. Yeah. yeah. And, and those young Ukrainian kids who opened the concert, right. they were good. Oh, I, it was an, that was an amazing, good. amazing yeah. thing. So anyway, um, uh, so I'm going to see, we have a few more minutes. Um, could you talk a little bit about your association with the Lamoille for why we're doing this fundraiser for the great people that Erica Scott talked about? Sure. Well, we, uh, I did concerts in the past um, to show my thanks to Lamoille Area Cancer Network when they were supporting me directly during my journey with cancer. Thankfully, I'm that is in the past. Um, fingers crossed, of course. Um, but I will never forget what they did for me because yeah. they really it's great. were always there for me um, when I couldn't be getting steady work myself. They they sent me a check because they knew how hard it is to go through cancer. Because it, yeah, so... You know, I just love the model of them giving you the money, not uh, the association that's uh, whatever. They gave you the money. And 100% of the donations go to 100% the cancer uh, patients. Um, And and the the money from our show is also 100%. Uh, These musicians, by the way, this is a community ensemble. Uh, In the past, I've, I've paid... Um, given some of the money to the musicians, but they're just doing it because they That's also right. want to raise this and, money for, and, for cancer patients. So, so. And, and again, I want to add yeah. something because every time we go to the Highland Center for the Arts and we say we want to raise money for a worthwhile group, for a charitable group, the Highland Center says, yes, yeah, sure, we right. want to be your partner. That's great. And they don't just provide a venue. They help with every single charitable con- effort yep. that, that we have done. Um, they help with promotion. They're helping to promote this concert mm-hmm. and so many other worthwhile efforts. They have high school exchange programs, um, student art programs. Um, they have just been fabulous. That's great. It, and it is, and I, I, I told you it was my first time up there when we did the Ukrainian fundraiser. Um, and I was so impressed. I want to go back. So we'll be there on Saturday. We're going to play, um, one more, um, Song, I think this is um, if I did this right, I hope uh, hope I didn't mess Danny up too much. It's called um, "Keeping On," which is a theme all cancer patients have. I think yeah. you just gotta. What else you gonna do? Just keep it going. Keep one on. That's it. One foot at a time. I had like a bad treatment result, and I wrote this song to just get me through kind of a scary and tough time. So I still think you're way too young to be doing what you did. I feel yeah. I'm very sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry for everyone who has helped to deal with cancer because it's not great. Go ahead, Danny. We're, um, we will close out the show with this. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. See you on Tuesday. If my time were ending I'd want you to know I never did mean no harm And I didn't want to go Until that time does come I'll keep Keeping on
There was once a time I would fly in my dreams So I can't quit on trying As bad as things might seem There is always a reason We must keep 